a growler. Welcome to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we analyze, theorize, and criticize Beauty and the Beast from 1991. We're excited to be sharing Minute 37 with you today. My name's Janae. And I'm Bobby. And we are your hosts for this podcast. We are starting off Minute 37 with Cogsworth saying, Keep it down if the master finds out. And ends with Lumiere singing... Go unfold your menu, take a glance and then... Okay, you get the picture. So, we get the Be Our Guest song today. Yay, it's a song minute. Woohoo, the beginning of a song. I feel like it's been a while since we've had a song. Yeah, we've had lots of other stuff going on. Yeah, I think the the last song was in the tavern, right? Yes, I think so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, woohoo, songs. Yep, I love this song such a good one it, it won some one. awards i believe yes yes i believe it did as well i don't know what they are but i am pretty mm -hmm. sure it did as well which i guess uh one of the notes that i have is that there's a live version that you can find on youtube so we'll post a link in the show notes and on facebook and stuff of jerry orbach who is the voice of lumiere doing a live version live performance of the show for mm -hmm. an award show i forget what year it was in but that was that was pretty interesting to to see him and to me i think i only recognize him from uh the few episodes of law and order that i've seen so his voice beauty and the beast his face <laughs> law and order kind of weird to have them mesh together in this is live it weird that i've never really watched law and order um not really i mean is he in regular law and in order the realm because it's of not like on... detective and cop I shows love cop shows but the only law and order that i saw on netflix was law and order special victim Victims unit or something. Yeah, SVU Isn't special that different than unit. the one that he's in? Yes. So there's normal law and order, and then there's like I don't know if there's other ones besides SVU, but I feel like, and I've never really watched too much. I've watched more SVU than Normal Law and Order, so I'm not sure exactly how much this follows the Normal Law and Order, but I believe that it's kind of like a darker, more mm. serious look at like detective shows where on one spectrum, one side of the spectrum, you have like Psych and Murder, <laughs> She Wrote, and then you've got like Law and Order. And like Criminal Minds. And especially like Law and Order, SVU, CSI and stuff. Yeah, which I like them all. So it's, it's definitely on the heavier end. So cool. Like, I'm not horribly surprised that you haven't seen it because Carrie's like, like Law and Order, no. Psych, yes. But I mean, I like <laughs> Criminal Minds, which that's a pretty dark one. Although I haven't watched it in a while. Anyway. Speaking of dark things, <laughs> the first note I have for this minute is that Cogsworth is like, all right, keep it down or it will be our next. And so that got me wondering, like, has Beast beheaded the other servants in the <gasps> castle for doing Ooh. things that they weren't supposed to be doing? And we know that this is right before the French Revolution, Dang. which is like the guillotine, Madame Guillotine. And so I did some research. Let me see. So the guillotine, like cutting people's heads off with the, with like machines has been around for a long time. I think since like the early like 1500s. Like a machine other than a guillotine? Yeah. Like the guillotine was invented like basically for the French Revolution, uh, because they wanted a more humane way to kill people. <laughs> So before then, they had other machines that kind of like chopped people's heads off slash broke their necks off Ew. type of thing. There was one called the Scottish Maiden, which is from Scotland, and it's an, kind of an early form of a guillotine, but that was used between the 16th and 18th centuries. 
in Scotland, in Edinburgh. And then there was something called the Halifax Gibbet, which was in Halifax in England. Um, and it was also kind of a pretty gruesome machine. So they were basically like early versions of guillotines, but they had different types of blades. Like one was just like an axe with weights on it and stuff. Um, and apparently during the French, the beginnings of the French Revolution, the monarch or whoever it was was like, hey, we need kind of like a, a more humane way to kill people. Like it's not, we're not executing people to make them suffer and die. We just want them dead. So they came up with the new design for the guillotine, which guillotine is some guy's last name. I guess the guy who worked mm. on the main design. But that's when they came up with like the big blade and having like a slant to it, which I guess helps mm. it cut better than having a straight blade or a rounded blade. So anyway, <laughs> on that happy note. I keep thinking of, <laughs> have you seen the Scarlet Pimpernel, the musical or heard the music or anything? I love yes. that musical and book and everything about it. But yeah, there's a song about the guillotine in there, which we're not going to talk about because it's too gruesome probably for any possible kids who might be listening to this but if you're not scared (laughs) by kind of a gruesome look at the guillotines in the french revolution go listen to it yeah (laughs) so that just got me thinking like how how ferocious has Mm -hmm. beast been has he been cutting people's heads off or is this just kind of like an expression of the day he He doesn't seem like i mean he's beastly but he's not cruel on purpose yeah yeah i don't i feel like he hasn't killed anyone either or had them executed but lumia or cogsworth is just trying to emphasize the point yeah i don't know anyway let's move on um anyway anyway what is it that cogsworth lands in so there's this part where lumiere is like but of course but what is dinner without a little music and then cogsworth somehow gets tossed or lands on something that springboards him into this like pot of something and i was like what is that and i think we find out later on yeah we do find out later on what it is i believe in the next minute but what happens here is Lumiere is going out the door, and it's a double-hinged door, so it swings both ways. And those usually have a little bit of spring on them, but definitely not enough spring that what is supposed to happen is Lumiere is holding the door open, and Cogsworth is kind of going towards him to be like, what? Music? And then Lumiere leaves, and so the door swings closed, but since it's double-hinged, mm. it swings past the closed point and smacks Cogsworth and sends him flying mm-hmm. like... 20 to 30 feet into this uh, pastry that's going mm-hmm. to be cooked, I guess. So yeah, my note in here is that's not, not following the laws of physics. That door would have to be really heavy, in which case Lumiere couldn't I mean, have pushed it I mean, it kind of takes blah, me blah, back blah, blah. to that minute where that um, torch goes flying in dungeon that's a tower, but that's just... <laughs> um, I love his like little screech as he goes flying, though. Music! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Okay, also, my next thing is, what happened to that fireplace? It's like, if it wasn't that long since he was sitting there waiting for her, yes, they put everything up, but a fire in a fireplace that huge and as big as the fire was, there's no way it could have been put out that quickly unless they doused it with water, I feel like. Yeah, that's... When I saw that, I was kind of thinking, okay, maybe it's been a lot longer than we thought because there was a pretty big fire when they had been waiting for a long time for her to come to dinner. So for they're literally still just putting stuff away from dinner, though. There's still stuff that's out from dinner. So it can't have been that long. Well, it was a big dinner, though. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not really sure what the timeline is here. But yeah, the fire at this point is definitely completely out. No embers or anything. And that fireplace is still huge. 
I mean, it's Bell could stand in it easily and walk. Maybe it's around. connected to the flu network. <laughs> but we also see how big this dining room is. When we saw it before, we just saw like a little chunk of it right in front of the fire, and now we see that this table stretches on and on and on and on, and this room is probably I don't know, like fifty feet tall or something. It looks like it's several stories high as far as the the height of the ceiling. So this is a big dining hall, big. So when the song starts, is that um, instrument that's playing an accordion? Yes, I love accordions. I don't know if that's weird. They are pretty great. I I love accordions. (laughs) They're not as weird as harps. That is not even true. They're fairly common. They are a lot more common than harps are. No, they're not. They're in folk music. How many people do you know that play an accordion? No one. I I know at least three people. I don't know anybody that can play play a harp either. I've met one person who played the accordion when I was in California like four or five years ago. But you got to think of, at least here in Texas, all the Mexicans that play accordion. What Mexicans play the accordion? Every mariachi band pretty much has an accordion player in it, if it's any good. So look up the numbers of some mariachi bands and then try to look up the numbers of a harp player to come play at your birthday party and see which one has more people. Oh my goodness. I don't know if we're gonna. Ever... I am. You're actually I doing it. <laughs> There's some famous harp players. I'm not saying that it's not an instrument that is around anymore. I'm just saying there are a lot more accordions than hmm. there are harps. Okay, well let's move on because we're not gonna agree about this. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so um, I love how as. Lumiere starting the song and the, the song starting. There's about to be a show. You know, he's setting it up. He's got the spotlight and we see the like trays of food behind the doors, like in anticipation, peeking through the crack. Like, okay, is it our turn yet? Is it our mm-hmm. turn? Are we ready to go? Yeah, I had a note on that too. Like they're waiting in the wings, ready to come on stage. Cause I've totally been there when you're like trying to get a glimpse of what's going on during the pre-show announcement, but you're trying to not be seen because there's a saying in um, show business that if you can see them, they can see you. So, yeah, good times. And I love that his top hat and his cane are a candle snuffer and a matchstick. Yeah. I always, I feel like uh, when I was watching this, I was expecting him to do like that thing they do with fedoras where you like do like a spin as you put it on, mm. like flip it around and put it on. And he didn't do that. So in case you thought he did that, he didn't do that. Yeah, I kind of took it to be more like a top hat than Steen, a not fedora hat. Yeah, yeah. Which makes yeah. sense for the time period. I love that cute little dish that... So like he says, proud to... Uh, what is it? Proud to introduce... Oh, the yes. dining room proudly yes, presents yes, your dinner. The dining room proudly presents your dinner. And then they all like hop onto the table at once and like sit there ready and presented and there's this little teeny tiny dish and cover that i don't know if it's just younger or more inexperienced or it just has bad balance but it like bumps into one of the other dishes and then like goes back to its spot and it's just really cute cute little dish and then they multiply as soon as you start singing they're all like the same size and there's tons of them. Oh well, yeah, everybody comes out. In a row. 
two rows. I thought it was funny, um, something I never noticed before. He says, you know, tie your napkin around your neck. And she's not the one doing the tying. The chair, you know, pulls the napkin up to her and, like, starts to pull it around her neck. And she gets this look on her face and, like, puts her hands up there and grabs it and puts it down on her lap. Mm -hmm. I've always seen her doing that, but I didn't really notice, like, her facial expression. She's, like, getting really worried looking, (laughs) like, um, I don't want to let this chair tie a napkin around (laughs) my neck. I hadn't thought about I that. Think she's a little worried for her I, life I love there. the attitude of the chair. Like yeah. when she takes the napkin away from the chair, it's like it puts its hands on its hips and it's like, what? I can't believe you're not letting me do my job. But like, that's kind of what I got out of it when I watched that part. Yeah, it totally does yeah. that. They go down to its hips and then it, then they go down to where they're supposed to be. As uh-huh. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> got one job to do besides being sat on. She's too scared uh-huh. to let the chair do it. Some attitude. So the question is, does she not want the napkin around her neck out of habit or out of self-preservation because she doesn't trust the chair's motives? Good question. I always thought it was just because she would want it on her lap because I would want it on my lap, but maybe it's self-preservation. It could be. I feel like she's, yeah, I think it's habit. I think she's too refined to have a napkin tied around her neck like she's going to spill stuff all over herself. And it would look Well, and I think that's kind of... I mean, no offense, but I think it's kind of like a manly thing to tie a napkin around your neck to protect, like, your suit and your tie Mm. and whatever. And women put the napkin in their lap, which men put napkins in their laps, too. But more often than not, I see men putting a napkin around their neck to protect, like, their necktie and their white shirts and stuff rather than women. Oh, I'm offended. (laughs) No, you're not. (sighs) It is funny. Um... So, you know, but probably most people listening to the podcast might not, that uh, I went on a mission for the LDS church. And as a missionary, we were always wearing white shirts and ties. And so you'd see a lot of people. And these are mostly like 18 to 26-year-olds. Well, they're all 18 to 26-year-olds that are missionaries. And so some of them aren't quite used to eating in company or you know, they don't know how to eat properly. And you're wearing a white shirt all the time, every meal. So there were a lot of goofy things that people came up with to like not get stuff on your shirt and your tie. It's like, you know, unbutton your shirt and tuck the tie in or like have a napkin or have, you know, there are a bunch of weird little things that people did to try to keep themselves looking clean. And I think, I can't remember if it was somebody that was telling me about it or if I saw a meme later on or something, but it had like this list of like tricks you could do to, to not get your shirt and clothes messed up. And then the last one was like, learn how to eat properly. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so There's all these tricks or you can learn how to eat properly. Belle's got it down. She knows where the napkin goes. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, and I just like Jerry Orbach singing the song. I think he does so good. He does he such does. a great job. I don't know how some people can think he doesn't have a good accent here or think that it's, I don't know. I just think he's really good. I concur. I don't know. Maybe I'm not from France. Um, You're I love not. that he, one of the lines he says is um, in the song, is he says, after all, miss, this is France. And he's like explaining why all of the dishes and flatware and whatever are entertaining and he says, after all, Miss, this is France. And I've always liked that line, but I just especially like it because it implies that simply by the nature of it being France, it makes this make sense. And of course, France is the only place that would provide you with such 
fantastic and such、um, high quality entertainment as being provided in this moment. Yeah, I had a question on that. It's like, okay, does that mean that because it's France, like everyone can just break out in song and dance, <laughs> or just like every like fancy serving dinner? That's what's expected in France. Like, I don't know. Exactly I think it kind of probably <laughs> just means that they have the most extravagant, lavish dinners. That would be the、that、most entertaining,、sense. or whatever. I don't know. Maybe, but、Indeed. in context, it is rather funny because not everyone's going to have like. Dancing dishes and stuff. Even the dishes sing and dance. Except he's well. No, I guess there are some backup yeah, singers、yeah. in the song. So the procession of food that we get, I think, is pretty pretty、uh-huh. famous as far as Disney songs go and Disney scenes. And it brings up some questions of things that I never knew what they were. <laughs> <laughs> Onto the section of the podcast called "Things Bobby Didn't Understand and Didn't Know What They Meant." <laughs> so soup du jour. I was always like, what kind of soup is that? And that just means soup of the day.、Mm. So we don't know what kind of soup it is. Whatever soup they had, that's soup du jour, soup of the day. <laughs> and then the hors d'oeuvres. He said hot hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres just means appetizers. Literally, I forget exactly what it means. I think it's like like after the work, like literally literal、uh-huh. translation. But I couldn't find anything on cold versus hot. Orders, and I couldn't find a chef to come on last minute to let us know what the difference might be or the significance. Like if you only serve some at some time、mm. and some at a different time. So if you are a chef or know something about French cuisine, let us know about this food in general or about the hot and cold hors d'oeuvres. And then we have the gray stuff. It's delicious. Which I feel like has become, yeah, it's become a Disney thing. Why is it、I、a、think. Disney thing? I read. Do they do it in other can, movies? Well, like no, but like if you go to a Disney park or something,、um. they'll have. Part of the food you can try、oh, is the gray、funny. stuff. That's smart. Yeah, they are very clever、Clever-a. in their marketing. Befragucci souffle pie and pudding au flambe. Oh wait, is that in the next minute? Oh rap. Yeah, you're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> Sorry, I just got excited <laughs> about the food. Okay, well, the last thing in this minute is the Eiffel Tower construction, right? Made out of the spoons. Yes. Let's see. We've got poor Disney. They get so much flack about、uh, this. Yes, the forks and the plates and stuff make an Eiffel okay, Tower. So why do they get flack, Janae?、Um, Tell us about this. Because construction on the Eiffel Tower didn't begin until 1887, and this is in the 1700s, about like a hundred years earlier. I think someone just like put a, had a typo or misread. It was like、uh, 1787, 1887. <laughs> I think they just wanted something flashy and.、Um, Extravagant and French. I mean, they、French. didn't really have anything else, did they? Well, even now, like if you say France, Eiffel Tower, people think, "Oh, Eiffel <laughs> yeah. Tower." Yeah. So it's like New York and、yeah. Statue of Liberty, and Texas and amazing. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, Just kidding. Can anybody guess where we live? <laughs> so、yep. that's all I have. Unless you have nope, more about the Eiffel Tower, I could I could go on and on. That's pretty much it for me. I didn't go into too much detail about the Eiffel Tower because we kind of have talked about it, I think, in a previous minute a little bit, and so I don't want to beat it to death. Oh, I did want to say because we did mention in the previous minute that in the new movie they replaced the Eiffel Tower in this scene with a guillotine, and supposedly people were like, "Oh, but it wasn't invented until '89, and this is 
earlier in the 17th or 1700s. But based on my research, as DA always says, according to my research, uh, the guillotine in guillotine form uh, was officially official in 1789. So yes, past the time period that we are estimating for this movie. But there were guillotine-like objects for several hundred years before. So I'm going to give him a pass on the new movie. Which I will see at some point <laughs> in my life. I really think they should have consulted us before they made that new movie, because then they could have they, they could have said, have. "Actually, it's this time period. We're right about using this guillotine." <laughs> I feel like we are about like a year or two oh, too man. late, maybe a little more. We should have done this podcast two or three years ago, and then we would have established ourselves as. Beating the Beast experts, and they probably would have hired us as like oh. script consultants or something, or just stolen all of our ideas from the free podcast that you're all <laughs> listening to. <laughs> Did you know how to do podcasts like two years ago or anything about them? Yeah, that's that's when oh. I first started kind of messing around with podcasting, but I definitely could not have pulled off what we are now yeah, doing. At I that couldn't point. have either. I <laughs> wouldn't have had a microphone or anything. So everything happens for a reason. <laughs> Now's a great time to be doing it. Anyway. It is. Alrighty. Well, that wraps up this minute. If you have enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes where you can rate and review the podcast and let everybody else know how much you love it because it is amazing. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't done that yet. Find us on social media. We are Beastly Minute everywhere. Leave us comments and questions and your thoughts on this minute and every minute of Beauty and the Beast. If you need to get a hold of me personally, head over to growlermedia.com. My email address is there where you can send me an email and I will respond to you. And if you'd like to get a hold of Janae, you can contact her by, I don't remember which one you're using now. (laughs) You can contact Janae on her website, which is JanaeHyatt.com. That's right, right? You got it. It's really hard, right? (laughs) It is. You have, you're lucky. You're lucky to have that because there are like 15 billion Roberto Flores is. Sorry. So that's a pretty special to get your name Mm -hmm. in the URL. I'm pretty awesome Our like domain that. Name. Awesome. So yeah, make sure to get a hold of us. If not, we'll be back here with minute 38 of Beauty and the Beast. And until next time, be our guest. Something is really different on the grower. Well, it's just going to sound like not being our guest. (laughs) (laughs) Being, I guess you can come back if you want. We don't really care, but. I'm keeping your bones.